Amen. Good morning, Orchardville. I tell you, if you didn't wear the plaid shirt today, you are not one of the cool kids. Man, the cool people are wearing plaid today. So you got a chance next week. All right, you can make up for it. If, you're, uh, if you have not already signed in on social media or our uh, Wi-Fi, make sure you do that. And then uh, as you check in on social media, make sure that you share the live feed of our service uh, so that if there's anybody that is in your sphere of friends online and they weren't able to join us today, they can catch up with what God has got to say to us this morning online through the miracle of the internet. All right, and then open your Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 8. Gospel of John chapter 8, uh, we've got some verses to read in this passage of Scripture this morning, but we'll get there in a little bit. Let me open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather once again here with only two weeks to go to Christmas. God, we have this morning and two more Sundays to, to gather around your word and to be in awe truly to be in awe of who you are and what you've done. So God, let us just be affected by that this morning in a deep and a profound way. Help us to enjoy the gathering around your word and around the story of who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so I'm going to put a passage of scripture on the screen for you, and I'm going to start off with this this morning. So John chapter 5 Verse 39 in the Amplified Version, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he says, you search and investigate and you pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and you trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me. So in this particular passage of scripture, Jesus is, is telling the Pharisees that they were, they were spending all this time looking at something that was so, so familiar to them that they were missing the most important thing about them. And that is that those scriptures that they had gotten so familiar with and were pouring over all the time, somehow or another, they were missing the fact that those very scriptures pointed to Jesus who was standing right there in front of them. And it's, you know, it's easy to get so familiar with something that you sort of fail to see what's right in front of you. You ever done that? I mean, you, you walk into your house all the time and you're so used to seeing things that look a certain way that, that you don't notice the things that are imperfections that used to drive you crazy. You ever had that happen? You know, or the same thing at work. We, it's very easy for us to get so familiar with something that we no longer see something that is important that's right in front of us. Now, as I mentioned in, in our prayer, we're, we're only like two and a half weeks away from Christmas. And so one of, one of the favorite things for Leslie and I to do during Christmas season is to, is to pull out and watch uh, a whole slew of our favorite Christmas movies. Uh, so we do this every year. Now, we, we usually watch a few, you know, new movies, the, the Lifetime Hallmark things, which I could not care less about. 
but I'm a good husband, so I let my wife watch them. Um, somebody, somebody posted uh, like a spreadsheet, you know, to how, how all of those movies, uh, the plot to all those movies, and you just like pick one out of each column. And every one of those Hallmark movies fits one of those, those items in the column. But anyway, they're not classic. These are classics. Christmas Vacation. You serious, Clark? (laughs) Christmas with the Cranks. If you haven't seen this one, I'm just telling you, trust your pastor. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. I mean, can you ever get tired of that one? Now, I got to be honest, uh, we do watch the old one, but I like the newer one better. That, that little girl is absolutely adorable. Anyway, Miracle on 34th Street. It's a wonderful life. Santa Claus. All three, by the way. Uh, but now we're getting to uh, the really good ones. The Grinch. And then, Elf. Yeah. Now, we watch these every year. And there are a few of these that I can pretty much quote by myself as we're watching them. And those are the ones that I usually watch alone because nobody else wants to watch them with me. If you're married to somebody who likes to quote Christmas movies, just raise your hand. <laughs> All right, so, so I, I love watching um, these movies, and probably most of you love watching them. Now, you may, have, you may have a few different ones than the list that I just shared with you, but I want to take a page out of Jesus' teaching from John 5, 39 about missing important truths that in things that have become so incredibly familiar to us. I want to take a couple of familiar movies about Christmas and make some biblical applications. So uh, this morning and two weeks from now, we're doing what I call celluloid Christmas. It's kind of Christmas on film, but I want to take a couple of familiar movies and hopefully make some great biblical application today about the truth and the importance of Christmas that will not only help you this morning, but maybe help you as you're viewing some of these movies that you're so familiar with. Maybe you'll start to see them in some different eyes as you move between now and Christmas. So the one that I want to use this morning is Elf, is the movie Elf. Now, is, has any, by the way, has anybody here not seen Elf? Do I have any not? Okay. Oh man, Lord help you. Go rent, do yourself a favor, go rent the movie Elf. Now, I'll just tell you the basic theme of the movie. Buddy, who is the main character, Buddy is a human who thinks he's an elf. Now, he thinks he's an elf because he was actually raised by elves at the North Pole. So you can see why he might confuse the fact that he's not a human, that he actually thinks that he's 
an elf. Well, one day he discovers that he's not really an elf and his real, his father who's been raising him isn't his real father. And so he's been, he realizes he's been trying to be somebody that he was not created to be. So with that in mind, we'll watch this clip and uh, then we'll keep talking about Elf and Christmas. Buddy, I, I think we, we have to talk. Buddy, I, I think there's something I probably should tell you. You should, probably should have found out a, a, long, a long time ago. I then proceeded to tell Buddy of how his father had fallen in love when he was very young with a beautiful girl named Susan Wells and how Buddy was born and put up for adoption by his mother and how she had later passed away. I told him his father had never even known that Buddy was born. And most importantly, I told him where his father was, in a magical land called New York City. My dad works there? Empire State Building. Hey, buddy, wanna pick some strawberries? Not now, Arctic Puffin! Hello, buddy. Oh. Hi, Leon. Why the long face, partner? It seems I'm not an elf. Of course you're not. You're six foot three and had a beard since you were 15. <laughs> Papa says my real father lives in a magical place far away. I don't know what to do. At least you have it, Daddy. I was just rolled up one day and left out here in the cold. The thing is, I've, I've never even left the North Pole. Buddy, I've been around the world many times when I was a young cumulus nimbus cloud. It's a wonderful place filled with wondrous creatures. Except dogs. Oh, by the way, don't eat the yellow snow. Oh, I know that. <laughs> All I'm saying is this might be the golden opportunity to find out who you really are. Bye, guys. Bye, buddy. Bye, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, buddy. (laughs) 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 Bye, Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. Bye. Buddy sets off to find his real father and his real identity. And our identity is, is really it's wrapped up so much in, in who we belong to. And we want to know where we came from and we want to know why we do what we do. Well, here's the point that I want to make to you this morning is that humanity began its journey knowing that God was our real father. Our identity was in him. Uh, And then, as you read the story in Genesis chapter one through verse three, or chapter one through three, a troublemaker showed up. We know him as Satan. In, In Genesis one through three, he's called the serpent. And he wanted to make mankind see him as their father and not God. And he spoke 
as if he had their best interest in mind and that God, their real father, was holding out on them. Well, in Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 25, the Apostle Paul talks about how people can exchange the truth of God for a lie. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the third chapter of Genesis. They exchanged the truth for a lie. And when you think about it, man, is that not one of the crummiest exchanges ever? When you exchange the truth for a lie. But can I just be honest, y'all? We're not all that different than they were. Because a lot of times we will also exchange the truth for a lie because in many cases the lie suits us better than the truth. The lie appeals to us more than the truth. The lie lie is a better preference for us than the truth and it suits what we believe and it appeals to our nature. So we are just as vulnerable and we are just as prone as Adam and Eve were to exchange the truth for a lie. Well, as you read the story in Genesis, Eve decided that God was, in fact, God, her real father was holding out on her And he wasn't telling her the whole story. He didn't have her best interest in mind. And so she made a choice. And after completely obliterating and and mangling all the facts and getting all the facts wrong, she made a choice. And then Adam, Adam made a choice and followed along right behind her. And because they made a choice, they allowed all of humanity to come under the curse of sin. And that curse that they brought into into being, that curse has altered our nature. It broke our relationship with our true father. And so we have lived from Adam and Eve since right up to this very day, we have lived with a substitute father and with a distorted view of who we really and truly were created to be. Let me put a couple of passages of scripture on the screen for you before we go to the gospel of John. Psalm 51, verse five, the psalmist says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. Now he's not talking about what, uh, that, that something illicit was going on. The psalmist is saying that is the nature of his birth is that you and I, because of, of, of Eve and Adam substituting the truth for a lie, it altered our nature and distorted our view of who we were and it broke our relationship with God and sin into the world. And because of that, we're under that curse and now we are all conceived in sin. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse one, Paul says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And by the way, the prince of the power, power of the air, he is a substitute fake father. Paul says that we're walking according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse three, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just 
as the others. Paul tells us that because of what happened to Adam and Eve, the choice that they made, we once had an unbroken father-child relationship between ourselves, humanity, and God the Father, but that was broken because we substituted the truth for a lie. And we've been dealing with the fallout, we've been dealing with the consequences of that ever since. Now, I want to tell you that there are people that show up in church every Sunday thinking that they're good. They're good people. They've done good things. God is going to be pleased with them. Well, he may be, but it's not because you already belong to God. Because by the nature of your birth, by the nature of my birth, in Psalm 51.5, we were born in sin. We were separated from God. And we do the very things that the prince and the power of this world has put in us because of sin. Now, you think, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay, so now let's look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus is talking to some really, really, really religious people here. And beginning in verse 37 through verse 44, we're going to read this together. Jesus said, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father And you do what you have seen with your father. Well, now they got ticked off because they were claiming that they belonged to Abraham, Father Abraham. You remember that song when you were a kid, if you grew up in church? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. You were one of them, so am I. So let's just praise the Lord. You guys remember that one? Okay. So they were saying, hey, we're sons of Abraham. That means that God's our father. Well, Jesus just got through saying, well, wait a minute. I'm telling you stuff that I heard from my father, and you don't want to listen to it. Verse 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, well, if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You do the deeds of your father. Whoa. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God, because according to them, being a son of Abraham meant that they were a son of God. Just like there are a lot of people who show up at church every Sunday. Well, if I'm the son of a mom and dad who go to church, I am a son of God. My parents go to church. I'm a Christian. My grandparents went to church. I'm a Christian. The Pharisees said, We're our, our tradition, our heritage is Abraham. We are children of God. And Jesus said to them in verse 42, if God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand my speech? Here's why. Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. He is a liar and the father of all lies. Now, folks, for those of you who think that Jesus was always meek and mild, Jesus would never say anything to upset anybody. He'd never say anything offensive. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be short. He wouldn't be uh, uh, abrasive. No, no, not the Jesus that I know. Well, then you don't know Jesus. Because Jesus said here, hey, you're doing the works of your father, the devil. And he's a liar and the father of all lies. And church, can we just be honest? That is some strong talk from Jesus. But here's the thing. See, Jesus will never exchange the truth of God for a lie. Never. And he loves us so much that he will speak the truth sometimes, even if it hurts and it's painful as we hear it. But because Satan is a liar, and he is a liar... Amen. Because he's a liar, he's encouraged mankind to question God from the very beginning. And one of the questions that he has is whether or not God really loves you. So here's the thing. Satan likes to present himself as somebody that is on your side, as, as a father who's looking out for your good all the time. He presents himself as somebody he's not. He is not who he appears to be. And church, we need to realize it. Have you ever watched a movie that has like the little devil angel and the little uh, angel angel on either shoulder? You ever seen that? Right? And, you know, that doesn't really happen, but you sort of understand what's happening because when we're in a decision process, there's this, there's this conflict going on in our heads, about, well, I should do this. No, I should do that. I should do this. I should do that. And there is this war that's being played out in our nature between doing the right thing and the wrong thing. And here's the thing. Satan, who is trying to be your pretend and fake father, he is trying to tell you, hey, I'm looking out for your good. And your, your heavenly father, he's really not your real daddy. He's not looking out for your best interest. And so if, if you hang with me, I'll let you go over here and do this because I know it's what you want to do anyway, and, and you're going to like it. So we have to start seeing Satan for who he really is. Church, we need to have a buddy the elf moment where we recognize who Satan really is. Watch this. Santa. Hey, ho, ho, ho. Yeah! Yeah! It's me, buddy! It's me! Hey, buddy, hey, dog. Hey. It's me! Oh, Who the heck are you? Okay, what are you talking you about? 
I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. I'm so sorry. Uh, why, why, of course I am. <laughs> well, if you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? <laughs> no, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> he's an imposter! He's a fake! He's a fake! He's a fake! He is a fake. He is a liar and he sits on a throne of lies in church. We have so many moments where we are confronted with will we do this or will we do that? And Satan, your pretend daddy, Keep saying, hey, just come over here and do this thing. I'll watch your back. I'll take care of you. I'll give you what you want. And we want to follow the nature of our flesh. And it's time that every one of us begin to see him for who he really is. He is a fake. He's a liar. He sits on a throne of lies. And we don't need to follow him anymore. Jesus said in, in this passage that we looked at earlier, just back up a couple of verses in John chapter 8. Verse 34, Jesus answered them and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son, a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Church, if we ever want to be free, if we ever want to be free from slavery and the burden of sin, we must once and for all recognize the lie. We got to recognize Satan for who he is. He wants to keep us enslaved to sin. That's his job. That's his goal. He wants to keep us away from God and, and burdened to him and by him. He wants to keep us living in a way and in a place that we are not meant to live. And he wants us to not listen to the voice of God. And even when we hear and we feel that there's something else. But here's the thing. Most of us know that there's something else. And so we keep working on all sorts of other things to meet that something else. That's the way of the world. The world pursues so many different agendas, so many different things to satisfy something that was never meant to be satisfied outside of God. And Satan, because he's a liar and the father of lies, he applauds all those efforts. Hey, you go do this, you go do the other. As long as those efforts do not have you pursuing God. He will applaud and encourage and give you help as long as you go looking for one thing after another, as long as it's not looking for God. 
Well, in the movie Elf, Buddy had to go looking for his father. But unlike Buddy, we don't have to go looking. We don't. We don't have to go looking in order to find out who our real father was because God loved us so much that he came looking for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's read that together, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Church, that is what Christmas is about. See, we've been pursuing presents and gifts for the last several weeks. Maybe even before that. Talked to a few people who hadn't even started yet. Lord, help them. But we've been pursuing presents to give to other people. And we get all caught up in the, in, the, in the trappings of Christmas and we forget, even as Christians, even as Christ followers, even as churchgoers, we forget what Christmas is really all about because we were still sinners. We did nothing to earn the love and the, and the forgiveness of, of God Almighty through Jesus Christ, but he loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus, his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus' church was born into a world at war. And you know what that war was over? It was over you. Jesus was born into a world at war over you. And that war is about where you would spend eternity. Whose house will you spend eternity in? Who will be your real father? Christmas is truly about who's your daddy. John 3.16 tells us that God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. He sent his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus was willing to fight for you in this world at war. He was willing to fight for your freedom and pay the price that you couldn't pay, that I couldn't pay for our adoption, for your adoption into his family so he can be your father and you can be his child. One of my favorite verses of scripture is John chapter one, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As many as received him. 
We open up gifts at Christmas. We receive gifts at Christmas. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, at Christmas to be a gift for you, a gift for me, that restores the relationship between us and our true heavenly Father. We have have this incredible struggle between a natural father who is the prince and power of this world and God the Father who wants to give you a new life spiritually and adopt you into his family. So how do you know? How do you know which family you really belong to? 1 John 3 verses 7 through 10 gives us some help in that. John says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Here's your key. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So we started this morning by stating that so much of who you are is wrapped up in who you belong to. So look at your life this morning. Who do you resemble? What family resemblance is seen in your life? Is it the works and the love of God the Father? Or is it more in line with the desires and the works of the God of, the, of this world, the prince and power of this world? That's how John said you can tell. Which family are you in? Who do you resemble? We were created to be children of God. Satan stepped in. We made a terrible choice a long time ago. And we've been dealing with that choice ever since then. But every one of us have to make that same choice. Who will be our daddy? Will we follow the sinful nature that we're born with? Or will we say yes to Jesus that was born on Christmas lived a perfect life and gave himself as our gift on the cross. See, if you say yes to that, if you receive that gift, then God truly will be your daddy. He will be your spiritual father. You will have a new nature. It's not how many times you come to church. It's not how much money you give. It's not how many good things you do. It's not how many Christians you know. It is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior 
and by default through Jesus, God as your father. I'm gonna pray a sinner's prayer this morning. We did this with George last week, but we're gonna, we're gonna pray it out loud together. I ask everyone to pray this. I think one of the hardest things for a person who has been in church for a while, who may have just been going through the motions and doesn't really know Jesus as their savior, well, I think one of the hardest things for them is, is to actually humble their heart and say, yes, Lord, I need you as my savior. I cannot remember doing that. And sometimes those of us who did it a long time ago, it's not that we need to get saved again, but we just need to remind ourselves that our salvation is through Jesus Christ. That he's the one who did it. And we've received it. So we're gonna, I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud, all of us together after me. And then we're going to go into a, a period of time at the altar. So bow your head. Father, as we come to you now at the close of this time together and we commit what we've heard to, to you, Lord, I pray that you will be uh, honored, that you'll be pleased with our reaction, our response, because, Lord, we always have a choice. Help us to make the right one right now. Lord, as I lead this congregation in, in a prayer of salvation, I pray that this might be that moment for somebody here this morning where they pass from death to life, where they go from a sinful, natural father to a spiritual father. Would you pray after me? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve nothing. But I know Jesus came for me. I know he lived a sinless life. I know he died on the cross and I believe he rose again. He did that for me so that I could know God as my heavenly father. So Lord, this morning, forgive my sin, come into my life, make me your child and help me to love you as my father. I receive you, Lord. I want to reflect you in all that I do from today forward. In Jesus' name, amen.